And welcome back to another episode of the Double Doink Podcast. My name is Brandon Deke. Thanks so much for tuning in today, guys. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. You can also rate the podcast and review the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. It would also be greatly appreciated. Really cool episode coming for you today. I'm happy to be joined with my friend, J.D. Bunkus of Sportsnet. J.D., what's going on? Nothing, man. I'm just still a little sour about your Eagles destroying what would have been a very lucrative Sunday for me last weekend. Um, I thought the Titans were going to hang tight. All the Eagles. This is why you can't trust Eagles fans, because even though you guys won, even though you guys you, like you can't change a leopard spot situation, you're still pessimists. Every Eagles fan. And I actually happen to know quite a few. It was this is a really bad matchup for us. Yeah, just don't have Jordan Davis. Like, there's gonna be able, they're gonna be able to run the ball. I don't know how the offense is gonna look against these guys. Blah blah blah. And then it's a beat down, and it's a like can't even watch the second half of this football game because it's such a horrific beat down. I missed you know AJ Brown dancing on their graves in the second half, but yeah, a little PTSD from your Eagle City today. I picked the Eagles to lose in that game on my podcast mm-hmm. on the Friday before. So I was with you. You I think you were it was the coward's parlay, right? It was plus 14 and a half. I, I teased it. Yeah. I teased <laughs> it. I thought this is an impossible. I thought I was gonna take can you swear? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so rip, gonna take, you're gonna take shit because people are gonna go, well, that that's the one number because that was actually the longest line that I threw into the coward's parlay. Yeah, it was like minus four, like 15 miles. I couldn't even remember what it was in there. And it cost everything. Shambles. Just yeah. truly horrific. Eagles That's are like an 18 and a half point swing, too. Like I know. From, just, oh, you oh, hey, you know what? Um, as an Eagles fan, I will say that game, we're going to talk about the Eagles in a little bit, but that game was kind of like the, uh, okay, now I can dive it. Now I can feel the season. Like Now I can like be into it. Because, look, they were 10 and 1. They had some mm-hmm. kind of weak wins. Um, Jalen Hurts played some good games from the, uh, from the pocket against Washington and Minnesota. But mm-hmm. that game was like holy fuck this is real like yeah we're we're this is like 20 i had 2017 feel you kicked the shit out of a really good team yeah like exactly you, and, and you kicked it, the shit out of a disciplined team and did it in a different way than they did the yeah. week before against Packers. Yeah. so like, it was it does, it does worth note or it is worth noting that with it was malik willis that played the chiefs right yeah it yeah. was because at the end of the game i remember thinking god this is the saddest thing ever is why is having to watch this kid take a snap against the chiefs down having just seen mahomes but yeah, they had that lead against them for the entirety of the game. The Eagles just went out there and went like, no, no fucking way. We're just going to dominate you. Let's talk about your team. I see Russell Wilson still getting uh, real estate on your wall in the back. Um, he has to. Those <laughs> were good times, man. That taught, like the, the Russell Wilson Seahawks rise is still one of the most ex- exhilarating experiences I've had as a sports fan, especially considering like, man, that was at the time where, sure, Drew Brees existed, but you do you remember that draft? Do you remember like Mel Kuyper Jr. Yeah, telling John Gruden that there was no way in hell that Russell Wilson was going to be good? And then he was. And truly, part of the reason why I'm enjoying this season and watching Russ fail so greatly is Seahawks fans really took his back in a way that is just like it's it's only unique to a quarterback situation, right? Like you see it now a little bit with Kyler. Like if you ever pay attention to what's going on with Arizona Cardinals Twitter mm-hmm. and because you saw the Patrick Peterson stuff, right? Where they went yeah. back and forth. And yeah, I, I thought, man, Kyler sucks. Like from the outside, you look at him and you go, dude, I would hate, hate rooting yeah. for this guy. 
and you see the fanatics that went, yeah, Tyler or Kyler, fire back. Do your thing. Yeah, tell him what's up, man. Patrick Peterson is a clown for doing this. And I went, Patrick Peterson's been a stud in the NFL for over a decade now. And you're going to side with the Kyler camp. But that's what it is. You get you get so wrapped up in a quarterback that provides you hope that you, it's like a Stockholm syndrome thing. And Russ yeah. was way better than Kyler. Like, I don't want to even almost compare the two because Russ was actually a good Pro Bowl MVP-ish caliber quarterback for a while. But the rest of the league loved taking shots at him whenever they could. And so all his corniness, all the lame stuff, all the lack of let Russ cook, all those different things. You as a Seahawk fan had to line up and go, no, we, we side with Russ and we defend Russ. And so now having him go a little bit diva, the Sierra thing, leaving, doing the Broncos country, let's ride. Everyone thinking that Seattle blew that decision, that this is why you can't choose a coach over a player, that this is Brady Belichick 2.0. Seeing it turn into what it is, I have no, like there's no part of me that's torn between having love for what Russell Wilson did as a Seahawk but also loving seeing his demise and feeling like that is totally okay being a sports fan. For sure. Um, I actually remember the draft because Eagles wanted him and the Eagles were going to draft him. I remember so that. Up. Yeah, yeah. Two that. spots and snagged them. Eagles I think ended you up and I talked about maybe the Eagles being in on a trade for him and giving up like three of their three first round picks to get yeah. him. And I thought that was a good idea for the Eagles. So, yeah. I, I would have been down with the Russell Wilson trade this offseason. Howie Roseman, the GM of the Eagles, is like infatuated with him, always has. Yeah, I right. actually think the reason they took Jalen Hurts um, in the draft in 2020 was because Howie Rosen didn't want that guy to pass up again. Like he was yep. still pissed off about losing out on Russell Wilson. Yeah. That he saw Jalen Hurts. He saw a little bit of um, Jalen Hurts in Russell Wilson, or sorry, the other way around, a little bit of Russell Wilson and Jalen Hurts. And just yeah, the Masai Ujiri taking Bruno Caboclo exactly. after missing out on Giannis. Thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, kind of the same thing. Um, I wanted to ask you first question. What was, because I, I don't know if I caught kind of your initial reaction to the Russell Wilson trade, but can, let's rewind to, I guess, I don't remember when it was. It was the last April or May mm-hmm. when, it, when it went down. What was going through the mind of J.D. Bunkus? Like, how did I was you heartbroken. react to it? I was, I was heartbroken. Yeah. Honestly, like, um, you know this man having a having a pro bowl caliber quarterback over years that becomes just a relationship for you as a sports fan that's yeah. better than anything else like you can have an awesome center on a hockey team and you grow attached to them, a defenseman they you know play 20 minutes a night they play a third of the game mm-hmm. the quarterback is the most important position in sports yep and so your identity gets knotted up with who that quarterback is. Your belief is in who that quarterback is. And there were a lot of signs of Pete Carroll and John Schneider slipping before Russ left town. It was bad drafts. Look where Seattle even is right now. It was bad trades. They made that Jamal Adams trade where they gave up two first round picks yeah. for Jamal Adams. And if you go back and look at their draft history for like, like 2016 to 2019, 2020. Horrific. Probably, DK, DK Metcalf is like probably no. the only guy you can take. DK fell into their laps, but yeah. was, no, dude, it's even worse than that. It's basically 2012 on when they had the Earl Thomas draft. And then from, yeah. they had one draft where they just knocked it out of the park, which might be this year too. Oh, this but, draft, the Seahawks draft this year is awesome. I yeah, this, this year's idea. draft might be legit, legit, legit. But from that point forward, they had the thing that everybody hates, which is when a management group thinks that they're the smartest in the room. Then they had a they had ownership loss with Paul Allen's death. 
and his sister taking over the franchise and she's not exactly um well received let's put it she's been a controversial figure actually like surprising like if she was a a guy it would probably be much more controversial in terms of some of the stuff that has surrounded her tenure as the seahawks owner Mm -hmm. um you worried that Pete Carroll had too much power within the organization and it was clear that the team needed to take a step back or trust in Russell Wilson. Like, when is it a good, we just saw it like with the Brady thing where, yeah, as great a coach as Bill Belichick is having a supreme talented quarterback is how you win in a league. Mm-hmm. And usually I used to think like there is no price too high for an elite level quarterback. Right. That's why I even thought at the time, I didn't think the deal was unfair for Seattle. I did think that it was actually a little underwhelming at the time. I remember thinking, we didn't get Sertan in this trade. Like I wanted one sure thing and I wasn't sure what that Broncos pick was going to be. There was potential. It was a good one. So no, I didn't feel great about it. Honestly, like at the time I did not feel great about it. The biggest upside was okay. They're not going to be able to win now because the rest of the roster is so shit that maybe it'll turn into picking first overall the next year. I never foresaw a situation where the Broncos were going to be awful. I thought maybe they were overrated when people were starting to pick them in the Super Bowl over the chiefs. I went, okay, like, let's show a little respect to the chiefs, but no dude, when that happened, I, it felt like a breakup. It took me like weeks to get over. And yeah, I thought about, again, I thought about going back all the way to the draft. Like my dad telling me, he sent me the Gruden Remember, Gruden used to do those quarterback camp things where he'd sit there and watch film with guys. And I remember my like being down on that draft pick and my dad sending me that video of him and Gruden camp and saying this kid's special. And when he was just like the hungry gym rat, Russell Wilson, that was all about football. And before we learned that he was just like the corny guy who started to get a little bit of more of an ego, like there's nothing worse than a guy who doesn't practice what he preaches. And that's what I think why Russell Wilson, people pray on his downfall. Um, Like I love those times. And so seeing him get traded and Pete Carroll of all people, the guy who kept being like, we got to run the ball with shitty running backs. <laughs> we take too high in the draft, like Rashad Penny over sticking with this quarterback who might be, you know, the best talent that the organization has ever seen. I was heartbroken. And now it just feels like, yeah, you broke up with somebody you thought they were the one. And all of a sudden, like right away, you rebounded and found out when you got single that, Oh, actually I'm pretty hot. And I got like a lot of options out here. It's a, it's an amazing feeling. Honestly, I can't believe how good it is. Especially you got to take it into context too. I'll wrap up. This is a long rant, but the Bobby Wagner thing happened at like the same time. Yeah, it was a tough week for Seahawks fans, right? Bobby Wagner, like maybe my favorite defensive player all time. It's between him and Cam Chancellor. Like he leaves the organization on horrific terms, basically says fuck you to the organization and then walks across the street to the Rams in part because he wanted to compete against Seattle and stick it to them. And you can even see how like the animus between them this past weekend. So it was just oh, yeah. devastating times, man. I cannot believe this rebound. I thought I was in for years and years and years of pain. I think I I don't know if I'm wrong on this, but this, he found out on Twitter, didn't he, Bobby Wagner? Yeah, or man, it was bad. It was like a weird him. thing where he represented himself, right? Yeah. And so by representing yourself, they couldn't be as forthcoming with him about when they were going to release him. And then yeah, it was just it was a shit show. And Seattle was full of bad PR at the time, so everybody wanted to side with the player. And as they should, Bobby Wagner wasn't just a good football player in Seattle. He was genuinely like a Walter Payton man of the year type guy. And so, yeah, it was, it was bad, man. It was just bad. It was like every, this franchise has been cursed ever since Malcolm Butler picked that ball in the end zone. And yeah, life of a Seahawks fan is going to be misery. And I still remember when that happened, someone tweeted the, uh, the gift from that British show peep show where it's the guy in the, 
Nazi regalia going, are we the okay. baddies? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, are we the baddies? And I went, yeah, this is how we feel. We're the baddies. We're the baddies. So in my opinion, I sorry this might break your heart. I yeah. think Russell Wilson is the most insufferable human being in sports. Oh, right I know. I agree. I, I can't. On that. I absolutely can't stand him right now. No, I'm, I, I'm so like baffled at how bad the situation has turned. Like mm-hmm. no one could have thought it's this bad. Like even if you thought Russell Wilson was going to decline, you probably would have thought it would have been like on like a little bit of a trajectory. It's like he's falling off a cliff right now. Mm-hmm. I like so. I, this is my first year covering the NFL full time as a job, and the amount mm-hmm. of like stupid Russell Wilson quote articles I've had to write this year, like regarding like the high knees on the airplane, mm-hmm. saying he has Wolverine blood. Like it's 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 insane, and I want to go down like to see like what you guys got out of the Seahawks. Like, have you taken a look at Russell Wilson's contract and how and how it's and how it's kind of designated? Like, dude, they're screwed. It's not even kicked in yet. Yeah, the contract extension starts next year. Is it two hundred thirty-eight million? Yeah, two hundred thirty-eight million dollars. If the Seahawks were to, or if the Broncos were to cut him. This year, they would owe him over $107 million. If they Imagine were- being the new owners of that team that showed up after this and you yeah. went, all right, like we got Russell Wilson. That's probably fine. He's good, right? He's he's great. And you're thinking, oh, Sierra's going to be around. That's a nice, cool perk. We're going to have an awesome quarterback. And this has finally been figured out after all the Brock Osweiler shit and whatever else they've had there, Kyle Orton. Like it, it, it hasn't exactly been fun, sexy times for Broncos fans. Like they had Peyton Manning and then his shoulder fell off immediately afterwards. This should have been exciting for them, right? Like I can't even name who was the quarterback of the Broncos. It was Teddy Bridgewater for a second, but who was it even before then? They, they had Flacco at one point. They traded, um, or they, they signed uh Brock Osweiler to a big contract. Yeah. Locke had some reps there. Um, they yeah, drew they, lock. That's who I was forget. I drew lock is a Seahawk. I forgot. I wanted drew lock. I thought, Hey, they at least have to play drew lock when Gino was getting all the reps in preseason. I went, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah. Like we know who Gino Smith is. Anyways, all of this is to say, Brennan, that I'm, I'm a dipshit. Like, I don't know anything about anything I did. I will say this. I did see a little bit of Russell Wilson decline. And I have Ben Solak on my show a lot. And he and I talked about this. Yeah. He, he was one of the first guys that alerted everybody to, hey, Russ can't throw in the middle of the field. And this is a problem. And Seahawks fans were always a little bit frustrated. Again, when it gets back to defending Russ, he, when he started to bitch about the offensive line, that, and when he went on national television and started to like make threats, essentially, that's when Seahawks fans were starting to turn and went, what the fuck? Like, every you're all of a sudden becoming a diva. You can't be the guy who's all win forever and it's all about the team and it's all about buy-in and then be on national television um, making a public stunt to get better offensive linemen. And then he gets some help there, right? And he still holds on to the fucking ball longer than any quarterback in the NFL. And what I always knew was going to happen with Russ or what was always the question is what happens when he loses a step and he can't scramble the way that he does because he holds on to the football a lot. Like he loved to do this move where he'd run outside the pocket and do his little like spin. And I thought, what happens when he's not quick doing that spin? I didn't, again, I'm never going to claim that I thought he was going to drop off a cliff this way. I think that there is more involved in the Denver situation with him. Like their complete lack of a running game. Yeah. And 
modern it's NFL. Not all, it's not all on Wilson. Like yeah, if you take a look, I think the Broncos' uh, weapons got way overhyped this offseason too. Dude, like, Emmanuel Sanders was going, or not Emmanuel Sanders, sorry, that's old, but uh, Cortland Sutton was going in like the third round of fantasy yeah, drafts. People he were going. had like 680 <laughs> yards in his most season. No, um, Cortland Sutton's legendary offseason. We'll yeah, always have that. They lost Tim Patrick, which I think is a way, like a huge underrated, yeah. but no one talks about as well yeah. as offseason. Um, Albert O, this tight end who everyone was hyped up. I drafted him in my fantasy. He was a healthy scratch in week two. Yeah. Um, Javante Williams goes down with a torn ACL. Like they, they, it's not all on Wilson. He obviously has to hold some blame here, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely not all on him. And I want to transition to this. What would you do if you're Denver? Like, how do you fix this? I, here's the thing that sucks. I I don't, I don't think you can. This is what you have to do. You have to fire your coach because you have to try and give your organization some type of hope and belief. Someone's got to, someone's got to be the fall man and Wilson's not going anywhere. Right. But what what is hilarious, Brennan is like, what I think that they actually have to do is they have to become like the Titans. They have to do what Pete Carroll wanted to do, which is run the damn ball. Mm -hmm. They have to become a run first offense and then have Russell Wilson turn into a guy that is a, what Pete Carroll always wanted, the point guard, the guy who gets the ball out quickly and make sure that he just hits targets on third and short rather than being in third and long scenarios, which they've been the entire time. The the let Russ cook era is done. It's it's just not going to happen. Um, so yeah, to me, it's reinvest in your uh, like your zone blocking, like your your blocking schemes. Make sure that you are a run first offense. Try, I don't know if Williams is the guy that comes back because it's an injury and he's a free agent and I don't know how that works out for them. I can't imagine that it's overly desirable, but yeah, they're going to have to become a team that hopefully is ground and pound, ground and pound, ground and pound. And the good news is if you're a Broncos fan, that formula might work for you because that defense is fucking awesome. Like, what are they? They're first in points scored loud right now. Like yeah, five, they're first in the NFL. They if the Broncos score more than twenty points a game, they'd be like yeah. seven and five right now. Yeah, they, no, I think it's even better than that. I really yeah. do. I think that their record is even better than that because yeah. this week again, it's the same thing. They hold the Ravens to no points for the entire game, and they they concede one late touchdown and it's over. Um, they just hate Wilson on the defensive side of the ball. Like, no, but this is the problem. But this is the problem. You have to bring in a coach that is a real, no doubt about it leader of men yeah they can get buy-in from the group because you you can't have two flimsy guys at the wheel at quarterback and hack it with being the coach yeah they need the anti-Nathaniel Hackett in there like Hackett is I've talked to so I've talked to two players who have played under Hackett on this podcast and Mm -hmm. off they never said this on the air but off the air they said both of them same exact kind of philosophy or same exact analogy I can't believe they hired him as head coach great guy love him I know he's well liked but not a head coach in football so Anyway, I think that you can still build off of that defense and you can turn this around fairly quickly if you become run first and you bring in a different coach. Like, uh, like you're not going to get Mike Vrabel. He just won a power struggle, I think. That's what happened there in Tennessee. But my guess is that they go out and they try to get the best head coaching candidate available. Mm-hmm. And they that new ownership group actually does spend a bunch of money because at least Hackett wasn't too expensive. Yeah. And you try to reclaim, re-salvage Russell Wilson under a completely different offense. And it is about like run first, run first. Because that is the thing that we learned about today's NFL this season was we started to get to a point where we were like, running game doesn't matter anymore. Running game, like you can have anybody be a running back. And then what we learned was actually apparently 
you know, having two high safeties is more effective than we ever thought it was going to be. And like, if you look at all the successful offenses, they can run the football. Like mm -hmm. that's something that they do. And the Broncos, one of their early markers of no success is that they couldn't run the ball, which was putting them in really difficult situations. So I think that if they can make it a little bit easier on Russell Wilson, that he'll find some part of himself, he'll go away from an off season. The, the difficult proposition you have is like, you saw the way Purcell motherfucked him on the sideline and you, they're going to bring him back because they don't have another choice. But yeah, when you bring right. him back, like what is the threshold for those defensive players to be patient with his level of play? And can someone who seems to be so out of touch with reality and have zero ability to have the pulse of a locker room and how a defense is feeling? Cause like this happened in Seattle too, right? The defense turned on Russ and everybody hated his guts. And that's why they had to strip it down because nobody there liked him. That's why Richard Sherman is on a podcast every single week saying to the world that he sucks and he's kind of loving it. Even though when he did see him for Thursday night football, he was kind of kissing his ass. With oh him. yeah. Sherman, Sherman loves to kind of, yeah. but anyway, I just, that's it. They, are you going to be able to keep the room together? Because I would guess anyways, that those Broncos players at least are professional enough to understand that, Hey, there's no, there's no other option here. Okay. We don't have any draft picks. There's nobody coming in. There's no understudy. Maybe they will spend a little bit for a backup. I think they're going to, I, I actually think one of the best things they can do is maybe draft a quarterback in the second and third round, which I'm always against. I think second, third yeah. draft, drafting quarterbacks in that kind of area is a lost cause. Like there's two of the last like 30 that have been somewhat. Good. I mean, Hertz was a second round pick. Yeah, Hertz, Hertz and Jimmy so, are basically like, the only case yeah. studies that yeah. it works there, or you pay money and you bring in a backup. He needs a kick in the ass. And yeah. I, and I actually think that might be one of the better routes that they could take is give, not even like quote unquote competition, but yeah. some sort of competition. Cool. Yeah. I, I listen, I don't hate it. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's go back quickly to your Seahawks. We'll talk about the NFC West kind of in general. Yeah. So I got into a big fight with my co-host on this podcast um, early. I guess it was yesterday. So yesterday's episode, I think the Seahawks are winning the NFC West. I, I am out. I think we're all taking crazy pills with the Brock Purdy thing. If he has to start, five games in this against the rest of the way. Jimmy G's not coming back. I, I know yeah. they said it's a seven to eight potential weeks. I, I have a hard time feeling that even if he was healthy enough, they're just going to drop him in. And well, you saw what just happened with Von Miller, right? Yep. Von Miller is also done for the year. With well, I, I just, from the standpoint of like, they were optimistic about the Vaughn injury. And sometimes yeah. when like they said, it's not a Liz Frank injury, which means he doesn't need surgery. But if you're telling me that like swelling does, I'm not a doctor, obviously I'm a sports radio host. So there's a very big difference, but you're telling enough. me that if the injuries like this is a, if all things go well. And sometimes I think people read into that what they want to, which is if you're a Niners fan, you're going, he's going to be back. And me as a Niners hater, I went, uh, no, nah, he's not back. Yeah. I kind of um, liked Brock Purdy though. He, he got he the was, ball out like uh, Mr. Irrelevant. There's something a little bit to it. If he, you were going to believe like, here's my thing about it. If I'm a Niners fan, it's Jimmy fucking Garoppolo. Like this is a guy that at the beginning of the season, everyone said, get rid of, this is a guy when he first showed up this season, had some moments where we said, holy shit. And you guys like as a Seahawk fan, people wanted or thought Garoppolo was going to be an option for them. And I went, please God, no, I know he's popular in the room, but no, he's someone that like, what's the Niners stat about trailing in fourth quarters. Like they don't come back. <laughs> they lose every game that they're trailing in fourth quarters under Kyle Shanahan and with Jimmy Garoppolo. It just does not happen for them. And they've had other like horrific, like Nick Mullins types, but 
I don't they've know. Been all efficient. Like every quarterback, yeah. there's a stat called EPA per play, so it's expected yeah. points added per play, which is basically how many points you put on the board per play. It's an analytic efficient stat. Yeah. Niners quarterbacks are always no matter like Jimmy Garoppolo's fifth in EPA yeah, per play. Because they give a little underneath routes to exactly. guys who are great after the catch. And so I just of all the teams, I don't like if all out of every single team in the NFL, if you're gonna tell me they were gonna lose their starting quarterback, are they fucked? The Niners are the number one team where I would say they could actually withstand this. So do they I already think- did? We're going on their third string now, yeah, right? Like no. they've already lost the starting. I, I get Great. the point that Jimmy Garoppolo is like he's not that he's not he's not a, like a world beater quarterback, but nope. he's been in that offense for years. He has. Like he, he's he knows that offense in and out. Brock Purdy was the dead last draft pick in this but draft. Do you know what the book on him was? Second overall. Sorry. You know what the book on him was, though? Learns offenses incredibly quickly. That the only reason he's in the NFL is not like he's an undersized guy. He's like six feet tall. He doesn't no have arm. a lot of athleticism, no, no arm. It's just what he does and why I think the Niners identified him is he is apparently incredibly intelligent and he also gets the ball out quick. And if you're a Niners quarterback, like that's what I need from you. They don't need like if they would have lost Patrick Mahomes, right? Like the chiefs lose Patrick Mahomes and they go to Brock Purdy. I'm like, done. You know, the bills lose Josh Allen. It's over, but this isn't that like the Niners are kind of the unique team that was going to win on the defense and the running game to me, honestly, the, I don't want to say the more concerning thing because quarterback is still quarterback, but them trading away Jeff Wilson Jr., having Elijah Mitchell go down to an injury, and then having Christian McCaffrey as you have to take a ton of snaps and he already looks beat up, that shit scares me. That's where I I go, you're hopeless if you don't have any running backs. You're not winning on the back of Brock Purdy and uh, who the what's the Falcons guy that Trevin Coleman that they always go back to. Like that part of it is done. If they would have had a healthy Elijah Mitchell, and a healthy Christian McCaffrey, I would have thought maybe they can withstand this. But the fact that they're just running back room looks so depleted, I just, you have to win in a multitude of different scenarios to win a Super Bowl. And I don't see the way that, again, if the Niners fall down in a game or they get into a shootout, how they're going to be able to keep up. If that defense has one bad game, if Bosa doesn't get to a quarterback for one week, then they're screwed. So do I think the Niners are a write-off? No. Do I think they're going to win the NFC West? Yes. Because I think Seattle sucks shit like i think really i yeah. don't know man i'm their defense I, can't get stops like they they can't like it's they almost I, lost to the rams with wolford they lost to the like lifeless the raiders literally turned their season around with a win against seattle they went maybe we're not so bad after Carr started the game with two picks like josh jacobs walked them off with an like 80 yard run yeah. in overtime i just don't think seattle's quite there yet their schedule is a little soft but to see them leapfrog the Niners. It's going to happen, man. I'm Maybe. telling you. They take a look at the schedule. Okay. So let yeah. me let me throw the scenario away. So the 49ers play the Bucks this week. I yeah. have very, very hard time believing that Brock Purdy is going to beat Tom Brady this weekend. I'm not big on the Bucs. Yep. I don't Neither think the Bucs are a Super Bowl contender. They looked awful on Monday on, on uh, Monday night. If it wasn't for Brady Magic and, and Dennis Allen basically pissing the game away, they don't yeah. win that football game. Then the season. Seahawks- forgetting the rules. Yeah, exactly. Seahawks and Four Niners play Thursday night, baby. Yeah. I think they all I think they leapfrog for the division that game. I yeah. look, I get the again back to just a quick Seahawks do own the Niners too. It should yeah. be said that the division is very strange in terms of like the Niners always beat the Rams. The Rams you almost always beat the Seahawks. The Seahawks almost always beat the Niners. Like it's a weird rock, paper, scissors thing in that division. And I think Geno Smith is going to like he's playing awesome this year. Great. 
he's matching the eye test. He's yep. matching the numbers too. Like if you just look from like analytic numbers, he's fourth in EPA per play right now. He's yep. third in DVOA. The Seahawks offense is third, is seventh in DVOA right now. They are an efficient team. I think that kind of style is going to translate over the next five games. They don't make mistakes. They don't do stupid shit. I know yep. they've, I know they got smoked by the Raiders. The defense still has some issues, but I like just on paper and pound to pound right now, I would take Geno Smith led Seahawks over the Brock Purdy led 49ers. And I, I like the offense. I yeah. like the offense. I just, they really, really, really can't get stops. And it's just, it's getting to the point now where like they can't protect the lead because they have zero guys who can get to the passer. They just, they have their pass rush is completely non-existent to the point where it's weird because if that Broncos pick ends up falling number two, which it is possible that that ends up happening to me, if you pull most Seahawks fans, hey, what would you like? They, they'd want an edge rusher at the top of the draft rather than going with a quarterback, um, which is wild because at the beginning of the season, it was the whole hope of Seattle being bad was, hey, at least they'll get a quarterback. And now it seems like Geno will probably get re-upped. It's going to change when he's on a contract. But he probably gets franchise tag for one Yeah, more I don't year. mind that. I don't I mind would, the Kirk Cousins would, dealing with him. I would even do like a three. I was looking at some contracts kind of um, before the show, just some quarterback who are kind of in that 30 to $35 million range. Mm-hmm. I would do like kind of like a, a maybe structure as a three-year deal can give him like can get an opt out at like two years. No. Right. Yeah. I would do that. I, I, I think, I think Gino's going to play well, like over the next couple of years. I don't think this is like a one hit wonder. No, he knows the offense. He knows yeah. exactly what Pete Carroll wants of him. He clearly, he, you know, what he has his real chemistry with DK Metcalf, which yeah. Russell Wilson didn't have. And it was almost, this season has been a reminder of how good DK is. Uh, like I thought once they traded Russ, hey, maybe they should trade DK because what's the point? You're not in a competitive cycle anymore. They gave DK the contract and I went, oof, look at what you got in a trade for Adams. Look at what you got in a trade for Tyreek Hill. Look at what AJ Brown got. If you even just compare, actually the AJ Brown one was such a steal, like especially in hindsight, like, oh my God, it's just. It got the GM, like I, I it got the GM uh, fired potentially yesterday. I, just, I, I looked at it the other day. I was like, wait, they didn't get the package like the other guys got they didn't get the multiple the grade out of what Tyreek Hill got what Devontae Adams got they got Traylon Burks and then another pick which they I think traded back with yeah (laughs) Traylon Burks is the guy that I loved going into the draft process like sure be star but his ceiling is AJ Brown like he that's Uh, what he could could, could potentially be that's what you're banking on and you had AJ Brown in the building like it just it never made any sense I, here's the thing. I don't think that you can write off the Seahawks catching the Niners given their quarterback situation. Like teams are now going to game plan for Brock Purdy. Um, I think that the only reason the Rams grabbed Baker Mayfield is because they didn't want him to fall the Niners and they didn't want to have uh, like their crosstown rival have a better shot at a Super Bowl right after they I won there. But the 49ers didn't even cl- put in a claim. Like the Rams were the only team in the league that put in a claim for Baker Mayfield. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. So no, I get like, so but maybe they just thought we're so far down that yeah. if he doesn't get claimed, like we won't get it anyways. So let's just try and approach him. And like, if you think about it, that might be some smart mind games by John Lynch and co going, Hey, Brock, we didn't even put in yeah, a claim for him. You're the, you're the guy. And yeah. uh, I don't know. But then had he made it through, they are just immediately at his place going, Hey Baker. Uh, I don't believe in Baker Mayfield. Uh, I think it's really strange that people are talking about the potential of him playing tomorrow night or today when this is getting released. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what what that you know what that tells me if they play Baker on Thursday, that they think Matt Stafford is going to retire 
And so they might as well just take as long of a look at Baker Mayfield as possible and just like throw him right in the fire because maybe he ends up being or like potentially an option for them next year. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good point. Um, I wanted to talk about the Rams quickly because they're, mm-hmm. uh, they also are fascinating in my opinion, just going into the next couple of years. Like they're, they, JD, they have two, they're, sorry, they have $4.5 million in cap space yep. in 2024. Not just this year. Like they're they are locked into this unit for the next two years. And just as a Seahawks fan, what do you uh for, I guess the Rams are kind of your arch rival in that division? What would you kind of do for the future of the Rams? Because there's a lot of bleakness going on here. I don't I don't think that there's much that they can do. Um yeah. to me, this seems like a scenario where they could see some like is it beyond possibility that Aaron Donald just retires when he was already talking about it and now he knows his team isn't gonna be competitive? Yeah. Um, is it beyond I think that they probably try to trade Jalen Ramsey? That's the only thing that makes sense. The guy of value for them, where they try to flip him before the draft, recoup some assets. If Stafford is healthy enough to return, they should absolutely entertain the possibility of trading him. But I don't think that's gonna happen because to me, Stafford and McVeigh are kind of married at the hip. McVeigh to me would have to retire for Stafford to welcome the possibility of going somewhere else. Um, plus the Stafford concussions are enough where you wonder what it's going to be like. He got his ring. He can walk away. This isn't uh, like he'll always have that throw to Cooper cup, right? Yeah. The Super Bowl. That's kind of his defining moment. And it's like spinal cord now. Like yeah, it it's sounds not good, man. Yeah. It's not good. Uh, I don't think you, you can trade Cooper cup because to me, he's just an identity player that you yeah. want to keep for an organization. Um, plus football, we see this every, all the time where you like, look at the Seahawks. We think that an organization's going in the cellar and then one thing happens and boom, you're, you're right back. You're right back at the top. But yeah, I don't see them like, remember they were in on Brian Burns for some reason. They were offering even more picks to try to salvage this thing yeah. or that they reportedly liked Christian McCaffrey. There were just some, we're still trying to buy now moves. I don't think that they can do that anymore. Like no. to me, that that's off the table for the Rams. I don't hate what they did though, and like, they, they won a Super Bowl, Bowl man. Yeah, exactly, like it, it worked. They, they won a Super Bowl. Imagine, like, think about Browns fans. Like, mm-hmm. Browns fans die. Like, you just want one, yeah, you exactly. want one shot. The only reason that we think about the Rams to me anyways, in different terms as some of the other tortured franchises is because they moved from St. Louis back, like back to LA and LA doesn't have this diehard fan base, right? The Super Bowl's there in their own building and it's not a ton of Rams fans. They play the Niners and the Niners completely take over their building. And so to me, a part of it is NFL fan snobbery where we look at them and go like, they blew it because they should be perennial competitive teams so they can build that base, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I just don't think it's going to happen for them. I think that 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 area is kind of already spoken for in terms of who cheers for who and that mm-hmm. they're never going to usurp the Niners. It's like, you know, the senators trying to jump over the Leafs. Like it's it's just never going to happen for you. So to me, worth it. You traded a bunch of draft picks and maybe a two, three years of horrific pain in order to win a Super Bowl. Like you do that every single time. Like there is just, I, I don't know how many first round picks you'd have to give up and how many bad contracts you'd have to have for me to say, like, not getting a Super Bowl. You you've know what it's like. You got one. I've got one in my lifetime. And it's the best. <laughs> Winning the Super Bowl. Going yeah. to the team shop and buying Super Bowl merch is the best fucking feeling in the world. Getting that delivery of the championship shirt. Like, I got Seahawks championship shit all over my house. Like, you know, like, it's everywhere. I will never, ever, ever 
think about that. The only thing that sucks with them is, you know, you're right there on a, you know, goal line. And so I always think about the loss more than the win. That one yeah, kind of got robbed of me, especially it was a blowout. But yeah. either way, you do whatever it takes to win one. I just, but I, in terms of what they can do, I, it's like the Broncos thing. You, you don't have a choice. Like you, you don't have a choice. You're tied into what you have. Maybe McVay leaves, but if McVay leaves, then yeah, I think that's kind of a gutless move by him. You could leave after the Super Bowl and go do media and say that you're walking away on top. I think it's a little bit worse if your whole team is tied into you and you're the coach. And then when things go poorly, you just say like, mm-hmm. Bye. that that reeks of me of uh, who is, was it? No, Bobby Petrino did that too. But uh, was it Nick Saban? Who wrote the thing in the Dolphins locker room that was like, goodbye? Saban, where he's like, I'm not leaving. And then the yeah. players showed up and it was like, I'm fucking yeah, took off that, 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 that's a little bit of that to me. Yeah. Okay. Before we get out of here, I do want to kind of touch on some Toronto sports since I got you here. Toronto sure. sports expert, JD Bunkers. I think Toronto sports is pretty fun right now, especially the Leafs. Like I've had a blast watching the Leafs over the last couple of weeks. They've been, uh, this has been the most entertaining Leafs team I've watched in the last three, basically since the Matthews era. In my opinion, Marner has been a pleasure to watch, man. He's been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of just give me your take on where, where you think this team is. What the future looks like a little bit. Can the goaltending keep up? Kind of just summarize the, the last few weeks in Leafland. So to me, they got like their bad breaks turned into something fortuitous, mm-hmm. which is something that you see all the time in pro sports, right? An injury or uh, a, a controversy ends up forcing you to show who you are. And to me, that was the least of the beginning of the season. They lost both their goaltenders to injury. Their coach was under fire. They played like shit to start the year. They lost to a bunch of bad teams. The house was on fire, and the players and the coach put the fire out yeah. by changing some of the way that they play. They bought in as a team, and they're playing ex- like exceptional defensive hockey as a group. They, Yeah, they're one of the best defensive teams in the NHL despite – losing three of their top four defensemen. It's a pretty incredible thing to watch. I was going through their lineup yesterday. Yeah. And I was like, where the fuck did we even get some of these guys? Yeah. Like it's, it's incredible how they're yeah. just continuing to roll. They're, they're playing guys who came off the scrap heap from Arizona. They're playing AHL yeah. career guys. Like it's yeah. Like two of their younger players are emerging in Lilligren and Sandine with some more playing time. Their bottom six still doesn't look great, but the beauty of it is this team is playing this well right now. Um, they have gone through some trials and tribulations as a group and they did it throughout the season. And, you know, they, they always say with um, training against choking, which the Leafs have been right. They've lost to some good teams, but they've also choked. They've had all these elimination games. They haven't been able to take care of them. But the way that they say that you train for those scenarios is by trying to make it as close to that situation as possible. That if you don't have any pressure, that's the worst thing that you can do. And they already had pressure this season. They had pressure this season. They're playing a style that's more conducive to winning long-term. They have a goaltender who, when healthy, looks like a guy who doesn't let in bad goals, which is really what you need in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got stars who can convert and who are playing at you know their very best, like the Mitch Marners of the world. Tavares looks excellent. Nylander might lead the team in scoring this year. He might score 40 goals. He looks awesome. Matthews hasn't even been his normal self, and, and he's still you know playing very, very well. But if he clicks back into gear, they're going to look great. And then they have flexibility in the trade market with the cap space they have through the Muzzin injury where they might be able to make a super aggressive move and add another top-tier player. I, Patty like, Kane? Patrick Kane, maybe? 
to be honest, I don't know if that one will end up happening, but I've, I've been like kind of pounding the table for them to go out and get John Taves, another Blackhawks guy where, you know, maybe they, the Blackhawks eat a ton of his salary or a bunch of his salary going into a final year. You slot him in as your third line center. And all of a sudden you're Matthews to bars Taves down the middle in the playoffs. That sounds pretty damn good. Yeah, baby. So everybody makes fun of Leaf fans. Everybody says plan the parade. That joke is so fucking played out. It's the most (laughs) pathetic thing ever, but I don't like no one here, no actual Leaf fan actually like believes that they're going to win. They always have that underlying uh, shit's going to fall apart feeling of a tortured fan base that that has not gone away. Mm-hmm. But in my lifetime as a fan, at least in the salary cap era, this is the most confident I felt outside of the bullshit bubble year where they played in the North Division and all you saw them do was beat the shit out of like really bad checked out teams in front of no fans. And guess what? They showed up to the postseason and they choked. Why? Because they had no stakes all year long. That's what I'm talking about. They played like freewheeling hockey. They played a style that was not conducive to winning. And then they had a little bit of adversity that punched them in the face. And then they choked. And like one guy turned a puck over and Alex Galchenyuk and they choked. And so now I just genuinely believe that they've been through the fires enough that they've got a goalie. They've got that flexibility I talked about. They've got some good leadership. Their young players are kind of taking a step forward. They've got a good coach. There's no reason to believe they can't win other than this stupid playoff format is probably going to line them up with Tampa Bay in the first round, or maybe it's Boston if they slip off and you're looking at it and going unreal that like this is your pathway forward is a first round with one of the, like there's like six good teams in the NHL and the Leafs are almost guaranteed to face one of them in the first round. So that's annoying, but outside of that, I this is the best I think that they've ever looked. This is the most optimistic yep. I feel about their chances. And yeah, people can dunk on that all they want, but it's like I, I think that part of the reason people like to dunk on it too is that if they're paying any attention at least right now, they can see it and they're shitting their pants because they know what the world would look like if the Toronto Maple Leafs ever got this thing done. I 100% agree with everything you just said. Like I am 100% on board again. I told myself after they choked against the Habs, like I'm gonna wait yeah. till before getting excited. Yeah. Everybody was done. Games in last year, I did, and now it's what 20, just over 20 games in now, or whatever it is. And yep. I'm ba- I'm back on the bandwagon again. It's uh, that's being a sports fan, man. That's why, I like, <laughs> like if you don't like it, leave. Fine, but it's kind of like when people are like, I'm leaving Twitter. You go, okay. Uh, no one cares. <laughs> and like I, I'll admit, like I missed a couple games at the beginning because I was still pissed sure. off about the Lightning, right? But and that's, then with the that's normal. Fire, yeah, and then the fire Keith shit was going on. I'm pretty sure you probably had discussions on your yeah. show about Cannon Keith. And oh, something. I had him fired. Yeah, <laughs> I fired him. In in my hypothetical world, again, where the Seahawks are building around Russell Wilson and Sheldon Keefe is fired from the lease. So, yeah, I'm not a manager. I'm a I'm yeah. a sports talk host. No, I well, I also was kind of on the fire Keith bandwagon, and then mm-hmm. like man, the last like like whatever like three four three weeks has been awesome like it's been they've been really a pleasure fun. to watch they they play cool hockey right like they don't let a ton of goals in like i think what are they second in save percentage right now or something like that they, the they've got to be very very high yeah, i do know that both of their goaltenders like yesterday according to moneypuck.com it was one of the most impressive shutouts of the season. yeah i saw that 5.9 expected yeah. goals allowed and he yeah. didn't let it go and it was the most ex- kind of like yeah like you said the best shutout and since they've been counting that stat so but that was pretty cool. Um, quickly, one more before we go. Mm-hmm. Shot of Blue Jays, JD, hit me. What are we doing here? Well, I, hopefully things change from the time this is recorded to when it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's do a quick phone check just to be sure. I think it's time. Uh, I think this Dave uh, Ross Atkins and um, Shapiro oh. have been hit the snooze button a little too long. It's so I just looked and there's nothing. No, this is a kind of terrifying. Man, is 
You know, when you're not a market setter in free agency, nobody wins in free agency, right? We always celebrate the free agent winners and, you know, they get 25 articles. It's like winning the draft on the draft day, right? It's kind of like, okay, yeah, the team, oh, what? The team with the most picks gets the A plus and the team that picked, you know, 17th and took a little bit of a stretch player gets the F, right? Um, but no, the the options are starting to dwindle a little bit in the starting pitching market. Um you know, I talked to Ben Nicholson Smith today. He mentioned how there's not a lot of guys available come tr by trade this time of year. The Jays need pitching and some of the guys that they've targeted have decided to go to different places and people can say, well, that guy's not very good. And you can say, well, yeah, well, if you don't think he's good, then what does that say about the next option? Right. The, it's not a better, it's like, you don't miss out on a, a free agent that is coveted by a bunch of teams. And then you go, Oh, now it's a good thing because now yeah. you level you know that's not really how it works they so need two starters right like i don't know if my math's wrong yeah. but two guys that can come in and pitch like 30 well, games a year right Something yeah like that. that would be that would be ideal for them right because if you remember how last season went barrios was had a really down season some people believe that he can bounce back other people are not as convinced that what he showed last year was a big aberration um that there's gonna be a ton of positive regression you can't count on kikuchi for anything and one of the issues they have is that there's not a lot of arms internally that are ready to step in and be starters. They've got this one kid, Ricky Tiedemann, that they believe can be a guy someday. But yeah, there's not there's not like four or five triple A arms that or double A arms that they're waiting on to just make an impact for them as starters next year. They really need to hit in the free agent market. So yeah, it's it's starting to feel a little bit um a little bit sweaty given that, yeah, they're in a competitive window. And this is where you make your bones as free agents. This is where you make your bones as ownership in baseball where you need to be able to make sure that you open up the purse string so that you can try to capitalize. And right now, yeah, um, there is at least uh, some reason for concern. So they've made moves later in free agency a lot. It was pointed out to me that Hunjin Ryu was one of the last guys signed for them. Uh, Springer happened a little later than we thought it was going to. Semyon, that happened late. Uh, Chapman's move happened late. Like These guys have done good jobs pivoting, but the pitching one is... It's just it's hard to squint and see how this is going to improve drastically from a year ago. And when they made the trade for when they traded Teoscar Hernandez away, I, I didn't mind the trade. But the big part of the trade for me was the corresponding move after the fact. Right. Like, what do you do? So, yeah, getting rid of him is fine. You don't have to pay him, but you need to fill that slot. You need to fill that money that you're going to spend on Teoscar yep. in other places. And it just it's not maybe happening. they will. Maybe they will. But apparently they might not be the favorites on Nimmo anymore. We'll see how that thing shakes out. But. Yeah, if they if they snag Nimmo, people will be feeling fine about the outfield. I think that there's enough outfield options, especially like via through trade or whatever, that they can cobble together a decent group. The thing that scares me right now is the pitching. Both the bullpen and the starting pitching is where where are they going to get that? Because that's not an in abundance right now. JD Bunkus, my man, thanks so much for talking. Appreciate you. Um, before Absolutely. we go, why don't you plug in anywhere listeners can follow your social media, can listen to you, see you, hear you. Plug it all in. Yeah, you can follow me at JD Bunkus, Twitter, Instagram, post to both of those places. Um, obviously, are you still what's your gambling affiliation? Um, so I'm working on the score will be uh will be sponsoring the show pretty soon. Okay, yeah, because yeah. I was gonna say we I, I unfortunately had to let Coolback go when I yeah. took the job at the score. No, it's okay. Yeah, no, I yeah. just I wasn't really sure what the deal was there because I was gonna say yeah. find my cool bet picks like on my thing. I was I wasn't sure if there was like symmetry with it, but um yeah, uh I host the JD Bunkus podcast, which also runs on the Sportsnet 5 Night of the Fan, you know, yep. Canada's number one radio station, 9 to 11 every day, but catch it on the pod streams. And then, yeah, I do instant reaction uh, podcast called Leafs Talk, uh, which goes up on YouTube after every single Leafs game. 
live me and Justin Bourne and Sam McKee, the three of us uh, take turns breaking down every single leaf game. So yeah, tons of stuff going on. Thanks so much, man. Let's do this soon. And yeah, go see Oxford, baby. Kind of, I kind of like, I'm kind of pulling for the Eagles this year. Like I like Jalen Hurts. I like the offense. I like, the de- I, just, I like the team. I like the team. They've won me a lot of money except for last week. <laughs> Fired up, man. Thanks so much again. Appreciate it. See you, bro.